The Cream and the Clear, Red Beans and Balco, HGH, Game of Shadows, and Top Sports Performance. Can you reach the pinnacle on a regular diet? You're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment on sports medicine. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Paul Stricker. Dr. Stricker practices sports medicine at the Scripps Clinic in San Diego, California. He is the past president of the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine and is a member of the American Academy of Pediatrics Council on Sports Medicine and Fitness. Dr. Stricker was an All-American swimmer in college and served as team physician for the United States Olympic team at the Sydney Olympics. He is the author of the book, Sports Success Rx, Your Child's Prescription for the Best Experience. Today we're discussing sports nutrition, supplements, and anabolic steroids. Welcome, Dr. Stricker, and thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. I've been a practicing pediatrician for 30 years, and I know the growth charts have been revised upward a bit a few years ago, but my patients just haven't gotten a whole lot bigger. How the heck do you explain the humongous size of today's college and professional athletes? I mean, did they just get this big by cleaning their plate and eating a balanced diet? Oh, I think with all the uh, media attention focused on some of the other ways that people get bigger, I think it's clear that there's a whole undertone of illegal substance use that has helped some of these people get to the size that they are. I think there's no doubt that there are clearly genetic people who just get big and are very fortunate in that realm if they want to be that big. But as we have found out, people that may not even look necessarily that big but perform outrageously kind of sometimes come to the surface that their performance may not have been completely legitimate. As an all-American swimmer in college, were you pressured to take supplements or any other medications? Oh, I think part of that was the the era that I grew up in, in that it wasn't as big of a deal. I still think, you know, people weren't kind of, you know, basing their entire life dream necessarily on sports as much as they are now, where, you know, if you're in junior high, you're already thinking about, hey, you know, I'm going to make that multi-million dollar paycheck, and if I don't, my life is over. So I think there was a different mindset back then, and I was never really personally pressured about it. Of course, I think you always think about, golly, you know, how, what can I do to get better so that I can make the Olympics if I want to or something like that. But again, I personally was never tortured in that way. Can you do it on just a normal, healthy, balanced diet? Well, there's so much that you really can do with a normal, healthy diet if it is done appropriately. And getting the help of a good sports nutrition is always a really wise thing to do. I think it's important for us to realize that part of the reason people have gotten away from that is because, you know, what's really sexy about real food, but man, you get these bottles with all of the labels and all the really beautiful people on them and all the hype, and, and, you know, that's what they're going for. That's what they want to try because it's something new and different. So getting people to really get back around to coming back to what we've had all along, which is, you know, our own food and our good nutrition I think that's just a matter of time and better education. If I came to Dr. Paul Stricker's training table, what would I find on the table? I think you'd find, of course, a, a wide array of things from all the food groups because you really do have to have good carbohydrates, good fats, and good proteins and not be overly restrictive or overly using any of them to a certain degree. We've all heard the fads of you know, high-carb, low-carb diets, high-protein, low-protein diets, all the gamut. And yet, if you want to perform and you want to perform optimally, your cells have to have at all. And part of that is because we use carbohydrates as our main storage energy, but we get a lot of the endurance energy from our stored fat. 
and then our proteins are used to help build up our body after a performance. So you're going to see your good lean proteins, your healthy fats, such as your uh, olive oils and your avocados and the omegas, and then you're going to have, of course, a wider array of really complex carbohydrates that are going to help sustain me and replenish whenever I'm done exercising. If parent came to me and asked as a pediatrician, you know, what should my child eat? He's on the football team or he's on the soccer team or she's on the tennis team. Is there a basic core group of foods other than, you know, the pyramid that we're all familiar with? I think kids need to really focus on what is it that is going to carry you through so that they're not just this mindset of, oh, wait, I've got practice in an hour. I'm going to eat this when four hours before that and the day before that they had junk. They need to have that mindset of, you know, my entire week really matters towards all of my different workouts and my performances and my competitions. So focusing on, again, those, those good types of carbohydrates for that kind of daily sustained energy and then using the healthy fats and the, the moderate proteins to help. When you say healthy fats, you mean the monounsaturated, polyunsaturated? What do you use the healthy fat? I really like, of course, your almond butters because almonds are, are a pretty healthy source of oil. Your fish is of any kind, any of the omegas, uh, the avocados, the olive oils, the things that, are, again, are, are going to be much better for us. And so we want to be able to make sure that they're not eating the trans fats and the supersaturated fats and the things that are just going to be purely unhealthy for them. You mentioned the omegas. Do you recommend a fish oil supplement for someone who's a serious athlete or just wants to, you know, build strength and endurance? I think that in general, when we look at it, you know, there's no real correlation that an omega is going to help somebody improve their strength or be able to, you know, swim or run a lot farther and faster. But when we look at the effects of the omegas on, of course, our heart health and our vascular health, clearly you need optimal vascular health in order to perform at your optimum. So I think part of the way we look at nutrition now is really how does it affect my entire body for optimal workout competition and performance. And that's a concept that is not in the supplement world where each bottle is supposed to help one little specific trait of your body instead of the entire body, which I think is, again, the benefit of food that you really can't replicate with anything else. I'd like to welcome those who are just joining us on this special segment on sports medicine on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Paul Stricker, past president of the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine. We're discussing sports nutrition, supplements, and anabolic steroids. Are there any safe supplements? I think when you're talking about, in general, supplements that add maybe a little extra protein if a child isn't getting enough and they need that kind of one and a half grams per kilogram of body weight per day, if they're growing or if they're in a strength sport or an endurance sport, they do need a little extra protein. Sometimes they need that in kind of a you know, protein shake kind of a situation if it's not loaded with sugar and fat. Otherwise, again, they can get most of that in just their regular food that they eat every day. Any kind of a way for them to get more fruits and vegetables, to get those good carbohydrates and the fiber and all the other you know, plant chemicals that we're finding out are so beneficial to us for multiple reasons, those are good ways to refill up those carbohydrate stores in a healthy way rather than drinking your sugar soft drink. I've been asked a lot about creatine. What's the real scoop there? In general, you know, it used to be a really, really super popular thing, and it has already, when I think about my course of working with the Olympics and the Olympic Committee for many years on national teams, there was a peak there for a while where, boy, every athlete that walked in the door was on creatine, and then it kind of died off a lot by Sydney, and then in Athens, you kind of hardly heard about it. But in general, when you're talking about creatine, its real benefit 
occurs in the super small percent of people who do these explosive, less than 10-second bursts of energy. Mm-hmm. And that seems to help kind of replenish their ATP for that type of energy. Now, again, once you stop it, it goes away, and you lose that benefit over a few days. So it may have some benefit for that small handful of people, but in general, it's not beneficial for any other athlete, and clearly it does have a negative effect on endurance athletes. Another one that's talked about is the DHEAS, and what's your feeling there? Yeah, any of those kind of precursors for testosterone were the ones that, you know, you had prescription steroids and some of the prescription precursors, and then you had some of these intermediate metabolic compounds that were still legal on the shelves. And fortunately, a lot of them have been now taken off and been made only prescription because they are these precursors for testosterone and some of the more anabolic steroids. Now, clearly, as they get ingested, they still metabolize into other things. So sometimes you'll increase your estrogen as well as increasing some of the testosterone, and you're not going to get the full benefit that you are looking for. So a lot of those, again, when they look at the research that had been studied, it really has no profound effect on size or performance when it really gets down to the statistical significance. Dr. Myron Janelle, Professor Emeritus and former chair of the Department of Pediatric Endocrinology at Yale University, told me during a session about parents asking for growth hormone because some coach told them if their child just got a little bigger, a little stronger, she could be a world-class athlete. Have you ever been in a situation like that where the parent either asking for growth hormone or supplements, and how have you handled the situation? Absolutely. I mean, I've had parents that the dad has taken antibiotic steroids in the past and, you know, really doesn't feel that they were harmful to him, so he's asking about, you know, a safe way to monitor having his child on steroids, which, of course, I absolutely would not do. Otherwise, when you're talking about human growth hormone, again, it's one of those situations where the majority of those situations involve a child who is a late bloomer. You know, they're small for their age, but they do see some potential and talent in this kid. And again, if they were that good at predicting whether they were going to be a world-class performer or not, then they could win the lottery and never work again. But I don't think we have those answers, and I think that that steers a lot of parents down that time frame when they're kind of that 12 years old, and they, they think, ooh, they really could make it to the world's best, and they kind of fulfill this dream that they want to fulfill, and they'll maybe try anything. Human growth hormone in general, when these kids are on it, it's really used specifically for the kids who are very, very delayed, and in those cases, medically, it's indicated for them to be on it, but never for a performance standpoint. Plus, most of us will end up catching up anyway. I was five foot three, 105 pounds as a freshman in college, and then you know grew six inches and 40 pounds in one year, and that's just because I was late. Nowadays, you're right. There would have been all sorts of pressure to take something illegal. As a primary care physician, what do I look for to spot the kid who's taking the anabolic steroids or performing enhancing substances? Well, when you're talking about anabolic steroids specifically, you're going to see these kids where they come in and you saw them one year and then the next year, you know, they, you hardly even recognize them. Now, part of that is, is puberty, but part of it is if there's this just more than realistic weight gain and they just look excessively muscular, you know, they have a severe amount of acne, the parents comment on either kind of personality changes or school performance changes, hyperaggression, emotional lability, all that kind of thing, then you have to be very, very suspicious of some kind of illegal drug activity. What should I tell them of the real risks? What do we know? What's the state of the art now? Well, the state of the art is that when you look at the benefit of a steroid, there has been some benefit, of course, to strength, size, 
and how that carries over into performance has never really been studied, but we clearly see that it exists. That's it. <laughs> the list of negatives and health problems from that is gargantuan. I mean, every organ system in the body is affected negatively by prolonged use of anabolic steroids, and the, uh, many of those, of course, are irreversible, especially in women. So I think that when you look at the risk-benefit ratio, it, it's not even a question whether people should be attempting this or not. I'd like to thank Dr. Paul Stricker, who's been my guest, and we've been discussing sports nutrition, supplements, and anabolic steroids. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and you've been listening to a special segment on sports medicine on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I invite you to listen to our on-demand library by visiting us at ReachMD.com. Register with promo code RADIO and receive six months of free streaming audio. If you have comments or suggestions, call us at 888-MD-XM-157. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I wish you good day and good health.